Welcome to Base, a podcast about weird stuff. I'm Peter C. Hine. I'm Stephen James Buckley. And today we're recording on location in the uh, the wonderful surroundings of Lancashire, Shirehead Studio. Shire's Head. Shire's Head. Like as in the head of a shire. The shire's head. The head which belongs to a shire. Wow. I don't I think it means like a shire's horse rather than... Um, Tolkien Shire. Yeah, rather than the home of Frodo Baggins and family. Yeah. That's where we are. And we're recording this. This is the end of 2022. Today is actually the 27th of December. Mm-hmm. So we're basking in that post-Christmas glow. Okay, so 2022 has been a, a weird year. Uh, it's the first year of VASE, and it seems to have been a long year, and one which has very much changed things, certainly for me, with the launch of VASE. But, Buckley... I'd like you to cast your mind back to 1994. 1994? That was some time ago. Yeah. So uh, I would have been 12 in 1994, as would you. Um, All those years ago. So that was when The X-Files was first broadcast on the TV, on the BBC in the UK. And for a short time, the whole country and possibly the whole world felt like it had gone crazy for that weird stuff. But on the 18th of December, 1994, the BBC hosted Weird Night. Um, and I'm going to link uh, to the schedule for Weird Night um, on the show notes. Um, but basically, it was a night on BBC Two um, where there was just a load of weird stuff. There was specially commissioned films. Um, there was episode 12 of season one of The X-Files, which is fire. And the um, the Weird Night ran all the way through the evening, uh, ending with the 50-foot woman, Attack of the 50-foot woman, the original 1958 version with Alison Hayes and William Hudson, not the 1993 version directed by Christopher Guest and starring Daryl Hannah, Daniel Baldwin and Mike McKean. And then at 6am in the morning on the 19th of December, they played Pee-wee's Big Adventure. So uh, it, it's hard to know where the weird stuff stopped that night. Um, so that, that was 1994. So that was around three years before 14 TV was launched with Father Lionel Fanthorpe. Exactly, a hero to us and to others FLT and he's still knocking about you know mm-hmm. um, and he'll be 88 in February wow and um, the first episode of 14 TV is now available on YouTube I'll link to it on the show notes and Father Lionel has recorded a new introduction to it which I watched last night and which is excellent incredible but going back to this weird night one of the features that they did back in 1994 on that night was um something called the 14 review of the year so it was specially commissioned and i remember it clearly because it completely freaked me out as a 12 year old it used mistrons by portishead as the theme music to it and it completely blew my 12 year old mind um my friend had the forethought to record it onto vhs so i got to watch it a few times um and it was brilliant i've actually found that on youtube as well so i'll link to that um and I remember, I remember it really freaking me out because that was the year when there'd been that cluster of cases of necrotizing fasciitis, you know, the flesh-eating oh, bacteria, yeah, yeah. Which, which seemed to just be everywhere for a short time. That was the beginning of 1994. So that, that, was in, um, that was in the 14th review of the year as well. So all this is to say that we've come here today. Um, the intention was to do an unscripted episode uh, of, of age. We don't normally script it as such. We normally read off notes or, or bullet points some, with some ideas. But because of the way my brain works, rightly or wrongly, I just couldn't do it. So what I've done is I have done the opposite. 
I've actually done stacks of research for this episode. All this research that I've done will hopefully plaster over the cracks in my lack of originality here, because what I propose that we'll do today, Buckley, and Buckley's hearing this for the first time right now. Yeah, we I've done, done any zero. Preparation. I've been told not to do any research or reading or anything. It's not just laziness. I've been, I'm doing as I'm told here. So we're going to do our very own version of the 14 review of the year. And okay. um, I have no, I have absolutely like no originality left at all. So I'm just going to call it the weird review of the year. Uh-huh. Uh, please don't... Sh- Please don't sue me. Um, I've uh, got loads of notes here, so you're going to hear these being turned. I couldn't do this out of, offhand. I couldn't do this out of memory or off my brain uh, because I've gone through every month of the year. I've pulled out a couple of weird stories for us to discuss. Okay. And then we're going to look at how and uh, Vase was developing through the year as we went through. Right. Uh, so we'll do this for posterity, if nothing else. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Okay, so we only started um, uh, releasing Vase back in September. Um, and we only started recording it mid-June. Um, so it'll be fun to sort of go back and look at the things that we were doing in the world from before Vase began, you know, how yeah. it was born, where it came from, what spawned us, you know, the milieu, if you will. The milieu. <laughs> milieu. Milieu. Uh, but listen, listeners, this is just a bit of fun. Um, I haven't prepared it beyond this. Buckley's learning about it as I'm talking. It's not designed to be comprehensive or definitive in any way. So please just don't contact us saying, oh, you forgot that in May there was a UFO sighting over Washington or whatever. Now, do you well, think there is anyone who listens that deeply to our podcast and actually is ready with... Someone, someone may may be annoyed that their particular favourite story of the year isn't featured here. I've just yeah. picked out ones that give us a diverse breadth of weird stuff to look at okay. whilst we're discussing stuff today. Because there's been loads of cool stuff this year that we just never discussed because base was only started in September. So yeah. we sort of missed it out. So I think that if we start looking back now, we can uh, we can just uh, let the conversation flow. Yeah. And remember, everyone, Buckley's learning about this all for the first time. So um, Not all of it. Well, no. I do remember things that we did. <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't rely on that fact, though. No. <laughs> Peter C. Hine and Stephen James Buckley in The Vase Weird Review of the Year. January 2022. Okay, so the first story of the year that I picked out for us to discuss is that in January there was a report of a fish fall in Tixarkana, um, and that's uh, that's a, a a place far off in in America. Um, now, how do you like that a fish fall? A fish fall. Do you know i i enjoy uh, I enjoy the whole things running from the sky um, business. It reminds me of that film uh, Magnolia. Yeah, which is. Like I, I, I'm looking forward to watch that again with uh, with a bit of vase in mind because it's all synchronicities, isn't it? And it's all like the weird, the weird stuff. I think there's a it, a lot of it was based on like Charles Fort. Yeah, um, and that's Fort's exactly books. why I picked this phenomenon is because it's something that we haven't talked a lot about. Is, yeah. is Charles Fort, um, and um, I, I don't know whether we will sort of cover him in any detail, but there is a fantastic what magic is this episode, of course, which mm-hmm. I'll link to in the show notes, which goes into the life and work of Charles Fort. Um, now, I'm cheating a little bit on the concept here because the fish fall actually happened, I think, on about the 29th of December, but it wasn't reported until the new year. Okay. But I wanted to kick it off here because, um, you know, Charles Fort was the granddaddy of all this. And you can still get his books now, um, Book of the Damned, New Lands, Low and Wild Talents. They're all still in print now. Yeah. And uh, and they are sort of a, a, a really effective catalogue of just weird stuff. He didn't really seem to go into much of the details. 
um, like of, of his theories of what they could be or, or he didn't pass any judgment or pull any unifying theory together. He was just cataloging all these weird events. Um, and that's great because there was no dogmatic belief system or anything like that. Um, fools of aquatic creatures, they're actually more common than people think. Yeah. I've never seen one. Even, even like amphibious creatures. Frogs. Frogs. Yeah, all sorts. And then there was the Kentucky meat shower as well, which is just meat. It's not even... I mean, it was a creature once. <laughs> Presumably. We don't know that for sure. Like post-creature, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, going back to the biblical times, there was manna from heaven, wasn't there? Mm. Again, you know, that could have been some sort of Kentucky meat that fell could down. Could have been meat, could have been fish, to, if there were fans of fish. Yeah, bread, I don't bread. know. Um, so yeah, so that's 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 the tofu. first thing. tofu, yeah, silken tofu silken falling tofu. from the sky. Um, also in January twenty two, um, Yuri Geller claimed to his Twitter followers that he knew where the Ark of the Covenant is. Oh, that was a brilliant one, yeah, because I remember retweeting it and saying this couldn't possibly go wrong. <laughs> no, because we all know what happens when people go after the Ark of the Covenant. You know, faces melt. Yep. Uh, anyway, if he knows where it is, he's keeping that uh, to himself. Uh, because he never provided any specific details, and obviously it hasn't turned up yet. No. But I'm interested to talk about Yuri Gallery. We've mentioned him briefly in the Field Lines cartographer interview. Yeah. Um, and he's just such an odd character, because we, we've discussed this many times, but he, at one time, had a very good success rate with his talents, yeah. didn't he? I mean, he was, he was partially involved, or at least asked to be involved, in the channeling of the Nine, um, which is... Uh, was an interesting thing that happened kind of back in the 70s where there was a, a group of people who were contacted by supposedly these these entities called the Nine. Um, and there was a whole group of kind of quite notable people like sci-fi authors and stuff. Um, I think Gene Roddenberry, who did uh, Star Trek, Trek, was involved. Um, and Geller was part of that group and he was asked to be involved, but he he was like, no, I'm not I'm not bothered with that. And uh but yeah, I mean, he's, he's, I get the impression that he's kind of, there was a time when he had a certain uh, talent, so to speak, but now he seems to just be like a charlatan who sort of makes funny videos. That's not to say, I mean, I, I'm happy to be proven wrong and I, I'd love to have him on vase. Do you reckon Geller would come on vase? I don't know. He's got kind of his own self-contained cottage industry of weird at the moment, doesn't he? Yeah. He seems to have his own studio. He produces his own videos for Twitter and stuff. He's, he's an interesting follow on Twitter. If you, uh, yeah, uh, I if, do follow him. Yeah. I saw the the thing, and it's like he, he, I saw him like he was making some threats to Vladimir Putin as well, like just yeah. saying like you know don't fuck with me kind of thing, don't fuck with the the Ukrainians, and um, I don't know. He's a weird one, isn't he? Because he. he he almost doesn't strike me as someone. He strikes me as someone who kind of believes his own hype. Yeah, like it's not like he's there thinking I'll do this for money. He's like thinking I know I'll find the like like he maybe truly believes it. I don't know. How um, how old do you think Yuri Geller is? Um, I don't know. Mid sixties. He's seventy six. He's looking. He's good. just turned seventy six. Yeah, so he does look well. So if nothing else, his um he's channeled his powers into his youthful looks. Yeah, I, I mean, think he was a model in his younger days. Yeah, I think he was. Yeah, I mean, there's um, there's a fair bit of that in the uh, in the in the kind of weird world, isn't there? Because Jacques Vallée looks great, and he's at least three hundred years old. Yeah, at least, yeah, at least, and he's like he's looking sharp. So Alan Greenfield's sprightly. Yeah, the the yeah. So obviously, there's something in the air for the for the purveyors of weird stuff. Uh, which... Prevents the aging, which stands well, holds well for us, doesn't it? <laughs> 
Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not feeling it at the moment now. I'm feeling at least 300 years old too. Um, so what were we doing in January 2022? Um, now, uh, we were actually working on a project together that was completely unvase related. And that was um, I Am Several, it was called. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, it started out as, as I've mentioned before, I'm a, I'm a musician and... Um, I came up with this idea of doing a concept album uh, about, but like based around a, a sort of very like rough skeleton of a story that I'd come up with involving. So I was thinking about MySpace and how it's essentially a graveyard of spam bots. Now there's no one actually on there, but it still exists. Why does it exist? And it's full of all these these weird bots that just live there. And I thought that was kind of an interesting area to explore and think about. And uh, I, I came up with this idea. And I remember actually the first person I told this idea to was vase listener Mike Warburton. So he he was the first to be party to this. Shout out to Mike. Shout out to Mike. Shout out, shout out. Um, anyway, yeah, I came up with this idea. What if these bots became sentient and started worshipping Tom like some kind of god? And it was quite a sort of quirky kind of semi-humorous idea almost like a sort of you know almost philip k dickian in a way not as dark as pkd but like it it was a kind of a quirky sci-fi type vibe and i thought you know i could do a concept album based around this um but i kind of need the story to be a bit fleshed out a bit more kind of an actual proper written story rather than just this vague idea because i'm not particularly skilled with words so I was thinking, right, I could do with like getting someone on board to do this. And then I thought, well, how about none other than Peter C. Heim, my close friend who happens to be a good writer. So I spent a couple of days working out whether, like working up the courage to ask him because we'd not done anything together creatively for a long time. Yeah, I think it was 2008 was the last time that we'd collaborated on a musical project. And that was like... We were hammered. <laughs> yeah, we were. Like, we were. Yeah. We were like at least a bottle of wine in each before we actually wrote any music. Yeah. Like so, we, you know, we it, it isn't. We, we'd not done anything creatively together for a long time, and and it was just, um, it was kind of not something we talked about a lot or did a lot together. Like our creative lives had had, had kind of completely separated. Hadn't they? I think yeah. that's fair to say. We, we when we met up, we talked about other stuff, but we didn't really talk about what we were doing creatively. And um, so I was a bit unsure about asking him, but I asked him, and he absolutely loved it. And what happened was we we got really into the idea. Like it became, and it was so fun. I so enjoyed doing it. It was the first time I'd. I mean, you were probably one of the first people I ever did anything creative with, anyway. Yeah. So to go back to that feeling like we were kids. And, and, and creating something and it, it was there was a lot of back and forth and you know I'd send you musical ideas you'd send me written ideas and the, the, the nature of the project and the album kind of changed it became a lot darker because you were involved um, <laughs> a weirder know, probably it, yeah it became darker <laughs> and more like um, almost like religious sounding like there was more like elements of it that were almost like to do with like angels and religious imagery and Catholic stuff. yeah it was great <laughs> it was really really good and it, it kind of ended up um sort of shaping the music quite a bit more and there was quite a lot of back and forth and it was yeah it was a really really um great project that hopefully will see the light of day at some point well i think um buckley didn't know when he asked me but i think i told him uh once we were going was that i was in like an extreme uh i was having an extreme 
case of writer's block, probably just creative block in general. Uh, at the time, I was uh, quite burnt out. I was working, I was doing as well as you know my day job and all all family commitments and whatever else. I was also doing stand up comedy, and I'd got myself extremely extremely burnt out um and so it was actually quite a daunting project for me because i didn't want to fuck it all up uh because i because i i was like extremely creatively blocked um but we fell into quite a good rhythm like because uh, buckley started out sending me some rough versions of tracks and i'd sort of play them and um i'd, I'd wait until i was in like a, i'd play them through and through and through over and over until i was like in a meditative state and then i'd just start writing and then i'd send my progress and my writing over to buckley and then buckley would take that and feed that back into the music and so together we sort of shaped it into something which i think sounds really really good now uh, but we're, we're we're without uh, a release on it, aren't we? At the moment, yeah. I think we should let best we best not go too deep into the reasons. for No, that, but, no. Uh, uh, hopefully, but, it will see the light yes. of day at some point because I think we're both really proud of it. Yeah. And it was in a way, it was kind of a proto vase. I mean, I feel like once we once we'd finished that, uh, I felt like I want to be doing something else with Hein. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and that that was that was. And when did you first watch Helio? Was that? Uh, early in 2020. So Hellier, I watched directly after the White Lotus. I, I imagine it was probably in February. February. March, well, maybe. So let's finish up on January then, because also in January, a NASA rover found carbon in a form suggesting possible life on Mars. Mm. Um, a woman married the colour pink. Um, a man received a genetically modified pig heart and then died shortly after. And, uh, oh yeah, and uh, Yuri Geller claimed an alien mass landing was imminent, and much like the Ark of the Covenant, the aliens haven't turned up yet. Yeah. I mean, I guess imminent can... On a biblical scale? Yeah. I mean, it... it, Vague language. On a long enough timeline, you know, anything is imminent, isn't it? February 2022. In the early morning of Sunday, the 19th of February 2022, on the A425 near Staverton in Northamptonshire, a creature described as about the height of a person, maybe six foot or over, but with short, powerful legs and hips. <laughs> powerful hips? <laughs> Child like, like, hips. Like, 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 who describes someone as having powerful hips? <laughs> powerful hips. Powerful legs and hips, which seem to move in a circular fluid fashion, was sighted. So, um, the... Uh, and is there anything else about it? Just that it was about the height of a human and had, had quite power- short but powerful legs. And hips. So I'm imagining like a long body and then just these little short, tiny legs at the bottom that move in a circular fashion like wheels. Yeah, well, they, they saw it and, and they... they um, they they were they first thought it was a deer running out into the road and then of course you know oh so did it have was it on all fours no well this is the thing you know because something ran out in front of them they thought it was a deer and then then they saw powerful hips on it right and and realized that it was some other sort of creature so they drove home but then the curiosity got the better of them and they went back it was only about seven miles from where they lived apparently Mm -hmm. they went back and found no traces of it um was there anything else about it i mean did it have a head arms Powerful hips, I think. I think it must, must, must be extremely powerful to draw their attention color, to. It. Is it anything? This is all I've got. This is all I've got. But the reason that I, I brought this this vague report is that 
we haven't discussed this sort of thing very much on base. And this is something that we're both really into, I think, is is weird the weird creatures that the blurring between the cryptids and the ultra terrestrials. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you get things like um the dogman, skunk yeah. ape, the lizard man, and a personal favourite, which is the night crawlers, which I'm a bit obsessed with because they're just oh, yeah. those ones that are just walking pairs of legs. They're just legs like white legs. I'm gonna link like to a, an excellent video of that on I the, love them. Yeah. They're, they're both funny and terrifying at <laughs> exactly, the same time yeah. it's, just, it's just like a pair of pants they like, don't even need powerful hips they, they look like them sort of pants like kind of white linen pants that rich like yoga pants rich people who live in a hot country yeah, wear, right? yeah. Rich, rich tanned men like Yuri Geller probably I bet Yuri Geller's got a pair I, of them I'm sure he can rock a pair of night crawlers <laughs> but uh, all of these things are spotted really regularly even in this part of the world you know we, we've uh, had people contact us with reports of dogmen and so on uh, close by in Lancashire yeah um, and this is the sort of thing that is caught on CCTV quite a lot um, people, people report it but no one really takes it seriously and the irony is that in February 2022 when this report was uh, made public I wouldn't have taken it seriously either having not properly investigated no. the ultra-terrestrial hypothesis um but this is just like Bigfoot and Mothman you know these things probably aren't creatures that have evolved on earth you know like as encrypted as in some undiscovered creature yeah, I mean they, they, they could have evolved on earth it's just that they're in a different like almost like a different overlay like it, it could be still very much, I mean, they all seem very much tied to the planet Earth, don't they? But it's just not the same. Well, we don't know because like we don't universe. know whether they appear on any other planets, do we? No, I guess not. Um, this, this is all the exciting stuff that comes with looking into the ultra-terrestrial hypothesis. I mean, I think that they probably are from somewhere else, some other dimension or something. Um, or th- on another frequency. Yeah. You know. I, all, all this stuff, you know, the nightcrawlers, the skunk ape, the lizard man, the dogman, I think it's all connected to the things like the fairy folk, the gentry, the piskies. Yeah. That whole thing. You know, the Jack Valet, the, you know, the um, Magonia stuff. Mm. And um, although we haven't discussed this, it's something that we'd like to get into, I think, at some point. Yeah. Cryptids, so if anyone's got any reports of this sort of stuff, uh, drop us a line yeah. and let us know. We can find a juicy guest to talk about it. Yeah, well, I mean, I'd love to speak to Joshua Kutchin about yeah. this sort of thing. He, that's really his territory, isn't it? The whole crossover between the ultra-terrestrials and the cryptids. Um, I'd love to, love to speak to him. Also in February 2022, at uh, the University of Tartu, neuroscientist Raul Vicente and colleagues released reports of analysing brain activity of a person dying for the first time. Ah. This is interesting, uh, because normally doing that would be highly ethically dubious. Mm-hmm. But what happened in this case was that they were trying to capture the uh, brain activity of an 87-year-old man who had epilepsy, and he died unexpectedly of a heart attack halfway right, through. Right, so they, they caught it as he was on his way out. Yeah. And what it showed here was an increase in gamma oscillations indicative of dreaming ah. or mental uh, memory retrieval. Right, okay. So as well as the data, uh, delta, the theta, the alpha and the beta oscillations, um, they say that this could support a last recall of life that may take place in a near-death state. So that's literally, you know, your, your, your life flashing, flashing before your, your eyes. eyes. Yeah, but exactly. also the, the idea that people who have um, near-death experiences, i.e. who die and then kind of come back, experience weird visual hallucinations, you know, or enter a different place. And again, this is something that... that I think that we could look into in 2023 because yeah. Greenfield was talking a lot about NDEs yeah. when we had him on. Um, a friend recently sent me some videos through of people talking about their NDEs and that kind yeah. of thing. And it's all really, really fascinating stuff, which does suggest that something beyond 
what we're experiencing here, whether that's crossing over um, into some other sort of mental state or whether it's crossing over into some other sort of state altogether, some other dimension or something. There's some really, really interesting stuff in that liminal state between life and death. And as you say, when people come back, they do talk about some very, very odd stuff. Yeah, it's all the stuff in that... Um, I, I keep talking about it because I'm just obsessed with it. The um, television show The OA, The OA, spelled like that. I know that sounds weird when I say it, but, but T-H-E space O-A. Anyway, that all co- that's all got all that near-death experience, business, different dimensions, and I, I love that shit. I find it quite creepy as well. Like, I find it quite haunting. It makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Like, almost like I, I, I can't read too much about it because it sort of creeps me out a bit, but... Yeah, it's because we're facing mortality. I mean, all of us are going to have that near-death yeah. experience at some point. And, and um, you said the, the name of the university? Tartu. Tartu. Is that like all the things she said? <laughs> it could be. Yeah. We'll, have to, we'll have to look into that. Because that was a good song. It was all right. I was in a band that covered that song. It's a good song. Yeah, it? back in uh, 2001. Or 2002, maybe. Um, but I'd love to have someone on the show again who could we could discuss near-death experiences with. Yeah, I mean, the the, the man for that is Anthony Peake. He's written course, um, yeah. a lot of books about that, and he's relatively close to us. I think he's Liverpool around then. He's quite high profile, though, so I'm not sure whether he'd agree to come on, but he's someone that we can send the email to, isn't he? Yeah, we'll try and get him. Anthony, if you're listening, he won't You've be piqued our interest. Please. Oh, yeah, yeah, you see... So what were we getting up to at that time? Um, I think that was a fairly quiet point in Vase history, February yeah. 2022. Resting. We were resting after... I, mean, I could look back at our WhatsApp. Um... Yeah, I, I've done that. And, oh, right. and we were talking a lot about The White Lotus, the first series of The White Lotus, I think, around that time, um, which was fantastic television. I was doing a lot of stand-up gigs at that time. I was doing maybe yeah. about three a week, and I wasn't sleeping. Um, and um, I, I fell ill for about three months from, from just like staying up until one or two in the morning out in Manchester and then getting up at six in the morning to go to work. I was doing a um, a, a bit, a five-minute bit about Jacob Rees-Mogg, which I was actually really proud of, um, which uh, I, I, I took around Manchester and the Northwest in general, um, and I was, I was getting some serious burnout at that time. Um, what were you doing then? Did you have an album at that point? I don't remember. I, no, um, dim distant past. I've almost always got an album, so I don't really remember what I was doing creatively. Let's um, link. What's where's a good place for people to find your stuff? Why it would be polypause.bandcamp.com. There you go. The Bandcamp page of Polypause. So also in February 2022. Oh, do you know what? No, what? I know what I was doing around that time. Go. So that was um, I bought a uh, a new synthesizer called Lyra. Uh, which is a weird Russian drone synthesizer, uh, which I used for the bass soundtrack. So go. there you go. The seeds. The seeds were planted. The seeds were planted. So also in February 2022, a guy in Uniondale in Nassau County, or Nassau County, I don't know how to pronounce that, that's somewhere in America, won $10 million on the lottery for the second time in three years. Oh, again, back to Magnolia type. Yeah, I love those those weird coincidences. Penny Royal has a great collection of those. Does um, uh, is it in the last episode of season two? Yeah, it's the one that they released um, a bit later than all the others. It was the very last one of, of season two. It yeah. was released like just a few months ago. Yeah, and it's like a recap almost. Um, and also, a UFO hovered over Islamabad for two hours. That was well documented. UFO case there. And a new study was released in the International Journal of Astrobiology supporting the Gaia hypothesis, the idea that the planet could really be a singular living being, mm. which I think is quite obviously true. 
March 2022. So, here's a local one for you. In March 2022, it was reported that Wingate's Grove in Bolton, not far from where we're sitting today, is so haunted that to live there, you actually have to sign a disclaimer. Really? Wow. Is it expensive to live there or is it... I don't think so. I think it's just a street in Bolton. But it's just very haunted. Yeah. This has been going on for decades, since the 90s. I think it actually started in 1993. Right, okay. Um, But the papers have... Some, for some reason, only picked up on it in March of this year. And what's it called? Wingates? Wingates Grove in Bolton. Um, now, I'm not sure why the papers have only just picked up on it, but that's the Manchester Evening News for you. It's always got their finger yeah, on the pulse. I'm just having a little look at it on uh, on the old Google. Um, so I'm going to link to the Manchester Evening News article for this. Um, so this is really cool because apparently since 1993, residents have reported Things like children talking to entities known as the little man and the big guy, oil-type substances flowing down the walls in a classic sort of poltergeist way. Yeah. Um, you've got uh, classic haunted house stuff like pictures falling from the walls, people falling into trances, the mass death of crows on the street, which Fuck. is really interesting, uh, footsteps, rattling of keys. Um, and apparently the disclaimers, and I've got no proof of this other than what's been said in in these news reports i've not actually seen one of these documents but they were a contract that the person moving into the house wouldn't use a ouija board or perform any, any other type of black magic at the address wow. so people had to actually sign a contract saying that they wouldn't do those things to move in there this is all fascinating and i wanted to re- raise it because we haven't talked about ghosts much on base no i mean I, the first thing that struck me when you said little guy and big guy and oil was uh, obviously twin peaks yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i made that connection um, I, I, I mean, like ghosts are just like the, the foundation for all of my interest in this weird stuff. I think we've mentioned before on base that when I was a kid, I wouldn't be friends with anyone who didn't believe in ghosts. I used to ask people if they believed in ghosts before I decided whether I've befriend them or not. And that's actually a policy that I've recently adopted again. Um, so it'd be really cool to get a ghost hunter on the show in 2023. Yeah, something something related to that because it's yeah, it's interesting stuff and it's and, and it'd be interesting to see how that kind of ties into um kind of stuff like ultra terrestrials and stuff because is there a crossover? We don't know. That's it. I mean, are ghosts the spirits of dead people or just spirits that live outside of our reality? And are spirits the same as the powerful hipped nightwalkers and that sort of thing? I mean, we just I mean, is it all the same stuff we we don't know. We don't know. Um what were we doing in March, Buckley? Well, I was banging, well on, with Hellier at banging on to you about how you need to watch a program called Hellier. Yeah, and Penny Royal too. Um, and Penny Royal, yeah. Um, I, I gigged till I was so ill that I had to stop. Um, there's actually a video of me, which I'm not going to link to, but there's a video of me um, doing stand-up at the Frog and Bucket Comedy Club when I'm holding myself up on a mic stand because I was so ill I couldn't stand up straight. <laughs> Rock and, and roll. I think it was time for me to stop at that point. Um, it was just too much. Um, and, um, it was then that we'd planned to meet up in early April to grab a pizza. Also in March, 2022, the number of exoplanets discovered past 5,000. Two kids survived alone in the Amazon rainforest for 27 days. And we got the first images from the James Webb telescope. Right. So there was a lot of quite cool stuff happening at that time. I've not got any humorous quips about them. No, no, they're all quite serious things. Yeah, yeah. Quite highbrow. Don't fuck with telescopes. No. April 
2022. So, in April 2022, CAE reports were released under the Freedom of Information Act. Um, again, this is slightly off because I think that these were first sort of released at the very end of March, but they weren't picked up in the media till April. Um, and these showed that the USSR had looked extensively into metaphysical phenomena such as ESP um, and telepathy during the Cold War. Um, at the time, there was great interest in the potential to use telepathic communications to interface directly with machines, a field that's now generally known as cybernetics. Um, so in one of these reports, Soviet scientist uh, D.A. Kermanov had told a CIA agent how his team had attempted to record or tape the central nervous system's signals, uh, sorry, the central nervous system signals of a, um, of a person who, um, who was a pianist and broadcast them into the arms of a guy who couldn't play piano to try to get him to play piano. Right, okay. Which is absolutely fascinating. Yeah, yeah. It kind of calls, calls back to those horrible Soviet experiments of the dog head. You know, oh yeah, you've seen those. I'll see if I yeah, can link yeah, to those. Yeah, yeah, no, I can, I can. Yeah, when when they kept they they, they basically reanimated a dog head by uh, by connecting it up to various fluids and so on. It, it's quite a disturbing image. I wouldn't look at that if you are a vegan or in any way care for animals or dogs. Um, now, there's, unfortunately, there's not a huge amount of evidence for how successful these experiments with the piano playing were. But there's a quote here: Kermanov claimed that Velezyev, who's another guy that they were working with mm -hmm. had been able to demonstrate very strong ESP with certain subjects but only certain per, you know, people yeah. are capable of receiving these waves in inverted comma so apparently this is what we hear a lot with ESP is that it works well with uh, certain subjects and less well with others yeah we don't really know why why that is but this reminds me of the gateway process which is something that you've been looking at recently yeah can you explain a little bit about um, the, the right, CIA, yeah. isn't I it? I mean, it's, well, yeah, it was originally, I, I, to be honest, I don't know the, the full details, but it was, it was, there was a guy called Robert Munro who um, came up with a bunch of ideas for uh, sort of out-of-body experiences and techniques for sort of um, having these kind of consciousness altering uh, experiences. And he, um, he came. He's the guy who came up with the whole idea of binaural beats, which is where there's. Um, you, you can find that like, there's loads of YouTube videos with, with, with binaural beats. It's become like a massive thing, but it's basically there's two two tones that are played at slightly different frequencies, one in each ear. You listen on headphones, and then the the, the two waves kind of create a new frequency um, because of the way that they overlap. And that new frequency, if it tie, the, the theory is that if it ties into um, a particular frequency that's the same as how your brain works i'm not explaining this very well but fuck it um then it can change change your brain it can alter your your kind of consciousness state so you've got sort of different brain states like delta theta alpha beta and gamma um and so for instance the alpha state of the brain is sort of more of a um is like a kind of relaxed state then the theta state is is a lot more relaxed. It's more like deep relaxation. It's the same um, frequency for like REM sleep, um, meditation, creativity. Then the alpha state is more like your general general relaxed life. The beta state is when you're more focused, um, more sort of problem solving, sort of thinking. Um, the gamma state is high level cognition and memory recall, peak awareness. And then you've got the delta state at the other end, which is very deep sleep um, and healing, supposedly. I mean, I don't know how true 
this stuff is but there's a he did like a bunch of stuff and there's the there's the munro foundation i think they're called who who sort of you know you can get all this stuff through um and he came up with these exercises you can do and programs you can do and the cia actually looked into it um it's called hemisync to do with like syncing different two different hemispheres of your brain so that's yeah. why it goes in the left ear and the right ear but he tried a whole load of other stuff like sort of astral projection and um Oh, what's it called? Uh, remote viewing. You know, it, loads of really cool, weird shit that he was trying out. And a- apparently his kind of inspiration for it all came from, um, this will sound very familiar to Philip K. Dick fans, uh, a weird beam of light that came to him. You know, uh, this, yeah. this came. this beam of light came from, I think it was like, 30 degrees above the horizon. He has like a very specific angle at which it hit him. But yeah, um, so I've been... Looking into some of that, um, there's um, there's a section on it on the book I'm reading. In the book I'm reading, actually, which book's that? Yeah, so the book I'm reading at the moment is um, a book called Strange Frequencies by Peter Beberagol, um, which was gifted to us by listener Bob Plant. So shout out to Bob Plant there. Thank you for that. It's a fascinating book, and it's it's looking at different means in which people use technology in weird occult ways for instance you know it's looking back at like spirit mediums and stuff like that or um all the way through to like spirit boxes and things that we've used as mentioned and then now more into kind of um the the part i'm reading at the moment is 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 related to all of this hemisync stuff and all of the uh, robert monroe stuff the gateway experience stuff and uh, yeah, that inspired me. I thought, do you know what? I'm going to have a look into some of this and see if I can try some of it. So um, um, I was able to obtain some of the recordings, um, which I found on the internet. Uh, the CDs cost about £100 each, and I think there's about 40 of them. So it's just not an investment I'm willing to make. So I just found them on the internet. Um, and yeah, trying some of them out. They're around 30 minutes long and they have the, the binaural beats going along along with like a guided meditation and apparently you kind of work through them all and it starts to alter your consciousness and you can experience some weird things. So yeah, I'm going to be, that's my that's my little little project for... It sounds for sure. similar in some ways to the shamanic journeying, you know, where you got the drumming instead of the beat, the binaural beats in the shamanic journeying and you can do guided like you yeah. can, but I don't do guided ones, but you can do guided ones as well. I mean, the the drumming is, I don't know exactly which frequency it is, but it will be a frequency which affects brainwaves. That's exactly what it'll be. Yeah, I have a feeling it's something like seven or eight beats per minute, yeah. per second, sorry. So that'll um, be a that'll be a, a particular hertz. Yeah, yeah. So also in April, um, this is one of my favourites of this year, so I'm cheating a little bit here as well because this wasn't really properly publicised until September, but it started in April. Um, a Swedish-based artist who goes by the name of Supercomposite on Twitter first discovered the AI-generated entity called Loeb. Oh, I love Loeb. Yeah. I say love. I hate Loeb. I, I, I like the idea <laughs> yeah. of Loeb, and then I read about it and see pictures, and it's like, no, I can't read about this now for another I mean, few This is absolutely weeks. fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, um, it's so, terrifying. Um, it goes into a lot of weird stuff that I don't understand that's technical stuff to do with AI artistry and stuff. But basically, um, what Loeb is, is a woman, uh, a picture of a woman who was discovered by this artist, Super Composite, um, who came from... Um, she was generated this image of the woman by using negative prompts in AI um, artistry software. So 
normally like if you've ever used the stuff that like Dali or Mid Journey, you can say, you know, I want to have a picture of say Steven Seagal eating a piglet or something, and you'll have a pi- and it'll generate a picture, f- you know, from scanning through the internet, yeah. sort of find all these, you know, find out who Steven Seagal is, find out what a piglet is, and then combine the two in a fairly realistic looking way. But what they were using here is negative prompt weights. So basically what this artist did first of all was to use a negative prompt that would find the opposite of Marlon Brando. So, right. you know, like the negative of, of <laughs> Marlon Brando. So what she got out of that was a weird skyline logo. And I'll link to all this in the show notes. So a weird skyline logo with some cryptic lettering. So then she put that lettering back into the AI software as a negative prompt again. And what was produced was a series of images of Loeb, who is, um, quote, a devastated-looking older woman with defined triangles of Rosia, um, Rosacea or whatever, you know, uh, on on her cheeks. Um, There's there's something very, very horrible about looking at her. It's the fact that it didn't just happen once either. No. Because we discussed, I remember sort of... um, a few months ago, like like in the kind of earlier days of base, we discussed uh, once we kind of got our head around the ultra terrestrial hypothesis. We discussed could these entities exist within a computer, within a uh, or, or like on the internet? Do they have to exist? You know, sort of just thinking outside the box, really, in, in terms of could there be entities which exist within the internet or on a website? Could a website be haunted? Could there be an entity that lived? on the internet in a website in a in a, in a sort of virtual place yeah can and, they be in cyberspace as much as they can be in physical space yeah and this this is almost an answer to that question isn't it yeah the, the whole thing is spooky like the name lobe came from one image that looked like an album cover that had lettering saying the word lobe on it so that was where she got her name from but what got even creepier was when lobe was um sort of combined with other images using the ai software it was more often than not something very, very macabre. So basically crossbreeding Loeb with loads of other images resulted in gruesome and horrifying imagery and some that was so disturbing that the artist wouldn't publish them on Twitter. Things like dismembered children, all this hor- horrible and disturbing stuff. Um, and you can see some of it on, I'll put the Twitter thread on the um, on the show notes, but it's absolutely terrifying, some of this stuff. It's so, so creepy. Yeah. And it just makes me wonder what it is. I mean, is this some sort of artificial intelligence demon? In Pennyroyal, Dara Mason talks about how AI intelligence seems to almost gain awareness in the same way as perhaps an ultra-terrestrial entity might, you know, and, and it treats humans in very much the way that uh, an outside entity might. Um, is it something that they, that's been summoned through intention? Yeah, I mean, is it is it almost or, or not intention by almost just you know subconsciously like as a as a as a kind of egregore? Yeah, you know, is it what we has has the, what we wanted? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or has using a negative prompt, you know, perhaps unlocked all this sadness and and gruesome, disturbing imagery that we try to lock up and compartmentalize. Yeah, it's pretty dark. I mean, if 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 you um if you just Google Loeb and do an image search L O A B, that'll tell you all you need to know. <laughs> it's like it's horrible. It's I- genuinely disturbing and fascinating. So at the same time that all this was going on in cyberspace, um, this is when r- things really kicked off for Vase. April the second, twenty twenty two, over pizza, Buckley suggested I watched Hellier and listen to Penny Royal. On the way home from that very meeting, I started listening to Penny Royal. 
Um, and then on my 40th birthday, just about two weeks later, I started watching Hell Yeah. Um, and I've been looking back through our WhatsApp chats for that time. Mm. And by literally the 3rd of April, we were already talking about a collaboration on something to do yeah. with that phenomena. So we were talking about doing something. At that time, we thought it might be a follow-up to I Am Several, the album that we'd done in January, um, and that we would experiment on ourselves and then turn it into music. And at the time, you said that maybe an album might be too restrictive and that we should think outside of a collaboration between Polypores and Peter C. Hine. And this is only like literally 24 hours after we first discussed yeah. it. And then by the 5th of April, we were already talking about doing an audio documentary, which is kind of what Vase became. Um, and I told you about the dream where Vase was yeah. first sort of revealed to me. I mean, we are fairly like intense individuals, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Like we're, we're not people who like, once we've got an idea, once we've got like a bee in our bonnet, so to speak, it's like that becomes something we need to do immediately. Yeah. We At won't cost all other aspects of our lives. It's just like, right, fuck everything else. We need to do this thing that we're fixated on. So Vase had basically been born within three days of, of, uh, of his first discussing Pennyroyal and Hellier. <laughs> and that's where we are now. Also in April, the entire human genome was finally sequenced because um, that's mm. commonly known to have been done in 2003, but actually it was only 92% complete back then. Um, the Pentagon released a cache of documents, some of which detailed accounts of UFO, which had radiation burns to observers and unexpected pregnancies. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, evidence was discovered that Jupiter's icy moon Europa is home to shallow pools near to its surface, which could actually support life. Drops of Jupiter. There you are. Sorry, again with the early 2000s pop songs references. May 2022. So, on May 17th, 2022, the first open hearing on UFOs in 50 years was held in US Congress. I watched it live. Uh, I can't remember why, but I had my laptop in the kitchen. Um, And it was pretty lame. Um, But what they did say was that there was definitely things in the sky that the government couldn't identify. But almost any time a detailed question was asked about it, they just said that it would be discussed in the closed hearing or just said that they didn't know. Um, But Pentagon officials admitted that the number of genuinely unidentified objects reported by pilots and service members had now increased to 400. Um, So whilst it wasn't sort of the most revealing sort of thing that the US government could have done, it was a major step. Um, but I'm sceptical um, because all this is being done on the US government's terms. And I think it just could be a major play by them to take back the narrative. It's all very nuts and bolts, isn't it? And yeah. that there's actually some events later in the year that will lead us to discuss this in more detail. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I watched it and I'm none the wiser about what might be going on. Yeah, it's like they're just feeding feeding us scraps to keep people quiet or to keep people invested in the idea that the things people that people are seeing are um, craft from space that need to be shot. So it's like, well, we need, therefore, more weapons, so give us more money for weapons. And I don't know. It's like we were saying earlier, it's all very military-industrial complex. Um, yeah. And it's nothing to do with, you know, the, the um, you know changes in how people see the universe or consciousness, which is... I guess they're probably quite afraid of people thinking that way. So let's shut that down and turn it into like a nuts and bolts military situation. And the the veracity of some of what they were saying was also challenged because connected to this, in the hearing, Congress denied that there were UFOs with nuke-disabling capabilities. 
Um, even though former Minuteman Commander Robert Salas maintains that he reported the incident to the UFO Task Force last year, that when he was on duty commander at the uh, underground launch facility on the Maelstrom Air Force Base in Montana back in March 1967, uh, there was a mysterious object which appeared and disabled several of the intercontinental ballistic missiles. Um, which kind of fits with the Space Brothers idea, you know, that they've come to disarm our nukes and that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I, th- I personally think a lot of what people report as UFOs and a lot of what is on these videos, the, you know, the, the videos that were released and and um, by the Navy, it's just um, like military aircraft that hasn't been public yet, you know, like the stealth bomber. Yeah, the self bomb would have been going around for years before it was um, revealed to the public what it is, and what people are seeing is just this, you know, is 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 aircraft that's like a, a military test or whatever. But a lot of these reports come from military people. That's what's weird about yeah, it. Not so every it, bran- there must be sort of higher branches. Yeah, of the it'll military, be compartmentalized, which... and also uh, some of this could be other countries, yeah, for, foreign exactly. nations. It could be yeah. from yeah, from elsewhere. Um, and what were we doing in May? I don't know if you can remember anything from then. No. But uh, we actually recorded two full episodes of Ace, which were never released. Yeah, I don't want to release them. No, no. They, they they were um, they were just us chatting, really, uh, getting used to doing it, getting used to the format. Yeah, I mean, if you think we're, you know, cringeworthily naive now, you should have heard us then. But um, we were getting on with it. We were trying stuff. We also did on the 21st of May, we went to Pendle Hill with our intentions to see something interesting. And all oh, that can was be... that the... Yeah, yeah. That all that can be heard in um, episode three, which was our first episode. Um, and we were full on in research mode at that point, obsessed with Pan and the writings of Alan Greenfield. Oh, and both of those have benefited as well. So also in May, um, a load of creepy dolls washed up on a Texas beach. Images from NASA, NASA, NASA. Images from NASA showed a doorway in the mountainside on Mars. And a woman appeared on a British daytime TV show this morning with her alien boyfriend, um, whose spirit was apparently hosted in an inflatable green alien. Right. I, I okay. just don't know what to make of that one. I mean, I'll, I'll link to the story, but yeah, it's very, a, very I'd odd. Like to, I'd like to know. I've heard about that before. There was, there was that, or similar things. There was that woman who was like married to a ghost, wasn't there? Yeah, there is that weird thing. Um, there's that phenomena, isn't there, of people like the god husbandry and all that sort of thing where uh, people... Um, uh, have encounters with or, or relations with spirits and that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I would have thought, you know, uh, 12 months ago, I would have thought those people were quite unwell. But now I'm like, okay, that's interesting. It's hard to know whether whether <laughs> we become more unwell. <laughs> or whether, but I, I'm certainly not married to an alien or a ghost. No, I'm not, hopefully. So, um, yeah, make what you want of that one. June. 2022. It was reported that living skin had been used for the first time as a covering for a robotic finger. Now, it's only a very short story. I don't have much more information than that. But the reason I raise it is because of Terminator. Yes. Now, Terminator is a constant worry for me. Yeah. Because everything always seems to just point back at Terminator. You know, neural networks becoming self-aware. It's a scary film. I'm a little bit jumpy about Terminator. Terminator 1 and 2. Less so about the following sequels. Yeah. But uh, I find those films genuinely unnerving. Um, oh, definitely. And I, I watched them from being young as well. And so those images of the robotic skeletons wandering through yeah. the deserts of skulls uh, is, is, is burnt on my memory. And, and, and it's just deep in my psyche, really. 
Yeah. And so tell me about this finger, because I, as you know, currently have a, a broken finger, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what your chances of getting a robotic one are, but um, what they said is that our creation is not only soft like real skin, but can repair itself if cut or damaged in some way. So it is actually an organic covering, Damn much it. like the T-800. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, they said that we can we imagine it could be useful in industries where in-situ repairability is important, as are human-like qualities, War. such as <laughs> dexterity and light touch, sex, Oh yeah, of course. The two the two main things that drive drivers of industry, yeah. Yeah. Discovery and industry are all driven by war and pornography, of course. So and I think this has applications for both. <laughs> but yeah, I so that's something that we don't often talk about either as well. What, is pornography. This, well, pornography. I mean, obviously Oh war. We don't talk a lot about war. No, no. Um I mean, you know, we we try and keep it holy on here don't we we try and keep it light well no we definitely don't um, <laughs> but I, I don't know i mean my, my my i do have these worries about technology and where it's all going particularly robotics and artificial intelligence yeah because i don't think it would take much to create something more intelligent than us and i think we're probably quite close to it at the moment and yeah i don't have any real reason to believe that other than gut feeling i know there are quite big you know blockages on the pathway to creating something that's as self-aware of humans. But we know from octopuses and crows that intelligence doesn't have to be human intelligence for yeah. it to be significant. I think um, it's probably also something that since the beginning of human technology, since like the wheel or fire, um, there's always been something just on the horizon that has scared people. And they've always felt, you know, that this is just the latest, the latest thing. I might be wrong, I don't know. I mean, the AI thing fascinates and scares me too, but I'm just sort of playing devil's advocate here. It could be, I know one argument against it is that it could just be that AI is seen as being um, the latest thing that's like the the, the bogeyman, so to speak. You I know? mean, the scraps that were fed from the media, I can't remember exactly when it was. I think it was fairly recently, probably more recently than June. There was that whole thing about that guy with the Google oh, yeah. AI yeah. intelligence and he'd he was signed off, wasn't he? Because he'd claimed that this this AI bot had become self-aware and then Google denied that. But I mean, it does make, because these are just the scraps that we're getting through in the media. I mean, the yeah. military and pornography probably have yeah. things a lot more intelligence than, a lot more intelligent than this. And it does make you wonder whether maybe we're not even the most intelligent things on the planet right now, even if we ever were. Yeah, we've probably been surpassed already. Possibly. So that's a cheery thought. Um, so, for us, for Vase, in June 2022, we recorded episode three, which became the first episode we released. Uh, and we recorded that after attending a virtual lecture by Dr. Simon Young on Boggarts. Oh, yeah. That was fascinating. The Boggart guy. That was yeah. cool. Yeah. Boggarts are kind of spirits in the north of England, solitary spirits. I think we have mentioned them before, haven't we? I, I, uh, I love the idea of Boggarts. They're all over the place up here. Come, come and look at the Boggarts in the north of England, everyone. Um, and we also recorded our first interview, which was with Field Lines Cartographer. Shout out to the FLC. And um, and that's still one of my favourite episodes. We're actually in a building that he partially owns at the moment. That's where we're recording in his, in his commercial studio. Uh, so thank you again. Thank you. Mark. And um, that was also the solstice was in June. So we um, I had my weird do with Pam. <laughs> um, also in June, it was discovered that male mice are terrified of bananas. A man was hospitalised after a fish jumped down his throat and Yuri Geller claimed a glitch in Voyager 1 was caused by aliens. No evidence for this was produced and the aliens never revealed themselves. 
poor Yuri. We're shitting all over him in this episode. <laughs> we'll make up for it when we bring him on. Yes. He can explain himself. Exactly. We'll sit him down and say, come on, Yuri. We'll be fair. Yeah, we'll open up the floor to you. Tell us, tell us what's going on. July 2022. So early in July, uh, YouTuber Coyote Peterson announced he discovered a Bigfoot skull. And he released a short video of that, which was fairly convincing. Right. Don't know if you remember that. I don't actually, no. It doesn't ring a bell. So he said that he'd, a few days later, make a big announcement. Right. And the big announcement was that his first video was a hoax. Right. Of course. But Alan Greenfield says that there is no hoaxes. Well, so what he'd done was he did a video that was a kind of what-if video. What if they'd found a Bigfoot skull? Right. Um, and um, I don't know. It was a, it was a publicity stunt. And um, this is the whole thing that I think is quite damaging uh, to you know this whole field really yeah. is this sort of he's doing it for likes you know this kind of bullshit damages credibility for the people who are trying to do honest work yeah in this um you know the, he wanted it likes he wanted views and he wanted support for his channel but that's the worst kind of popular tripe yeah i mean i, I don't know because i think there's a difference here between what Alan greenfield was talking about because things are different now you know and we we know the pressures from from doing a podcast, you know, to try to get likes and to try to get people to talk about your podcast or your YouTube channel or whatever. But I, I do think it's the wrong thing to do is blatant hoaxes. And I think that it undermines the whole authenticity of the field, really. Yeah. But if you want to know about authenticity, on the 9th of July, a man in Pontotoc County, Oklahoma, murdered his friend. He strangled him to death because his friend had summoned Bigfoot to come to kill him. They don't sound like they're particularly good friends. I mean, no. when I think about friendship, like, I, I, I wouldn't summon Bigfoot to kill a friend of mine. No. And I, also, I wouldn't strangle a friend of mine. It sounds to me like they might have been enemies. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know what Bigfoot, what part Bigfoot actually played in all this. I, I think he was probably an innocent party. Yeah. I mean, he probably came along and said, sorry, guys, I don't want to get involved. This is, this is for you two to hash it out amongst yourselves, you know. It is, yeah. I mean, it's quite a tragic story, really. I think the the police report said that the murderer was clearly under the influence of something. Right. But it is interesting that they were treating Bigfoot as something that could be summoned, which is more like a, a spirit entity yeah. um, than a cryptid. Um, and again, this is Joshua Cutchin's territory, and I'd love to have him on the show to talk about it. Um, but that just goes to show the a wedge can be driven between friends if Bigfoot yeah, gets involved in this be, way. Beware of that. If you... You know, if you ever feel like you need to summon Bigfoot to kill me, you should maybe get help. Uh, yeah, I'll think twice before, yeah. before summoning And I'll Bigfoot. do the same. I'll extend the same kindness <laughs> yeah. to you. So I, I got COVID in July. Mm-hmm. That was the first, the first time my house was visited by COVID. We recorded the Ultra Terrestrial Hypothesis episodes, and I, I discovered Global Tribe for the first time as well, that shop in Leeds, which oh, is yeah. fantastic. Um, and I also, when I got COVID, I cancelled all of my upcoming comedy gigs um, and I never booked another one again. Yeah. <laughs> I think I had to kind of choose them between the effort that I was going to put into Vase or the effort that I was going to put into comedy. And yeah. um, Vase seemed to be the more appealing option at that time. I was I was completely burnt out yeah. with the stand-up comedy. And I couldn't have... I mean, the guys who were doing it were half my age. The guys who were starting out at the same time I was. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I, I never really went back. And that, to be honest, I'm quite pleased with that decision. Also in July... A fisherman caught a rare blue lobster 
off the coast of Portland. You don't see many of those. No. A chess well, playing rope. Well, no. fishermen or blue lobsters. I don't see much of either. I'd... No, no. A chess playing robot broke a seven-year-old opponent's finger. You have a broken finger <laughs> Again, at the moment. I have a broken finger. At Do the you moment. have a chess playing robot as well? Um, not that I know of. How did how did your finger get broken? Buckley? I don't know. It seemed to happen in the night. I went to bed feeling fine. I was able to. So I, I keep thinking about this. I was able to read in bed. Now, if I'd have had a damaged finger, I would have known about it because, you know, turning the pages. And then I woke up the next day and my finger was sore and it felt bruised. And then it's gradually got more sore and bruised and appears to be broken. That is mysterious. Talking mysterious, Mm -hmm. in July 2022, the Georgia Guidestones were destroyed by a bomb blast. That's a good one. I still don't know what that's about. No, I mean, I've read a little bit about it. It seems to be political. Because it's simply because I think the Guidestones themselves had a political motivation, didn't they? They, they, There was something, (coughs) excuse me, although it was never completely clear who made them, whoever did, they had some kind of agenda that had kind of some kind of um, like quite utopian vision attached to them. And I think that there was a a certain... um, group within the or subgroup within the kind of QAnon sort of right-wing conspiracy type people who believe that they were part of they were somehow signifying a new world order of some kind so the idea was that they were probably destroyed by some fucking Trump nut who you know uh, thought that they were you know somehow undermining their god king or whatever yeah, there's something there's something kind of like that going on. I think it's fairly extreme behaviour, isn't it? Yeah, well, there you go. That's that's probably why it was. That makes it far more likely to be some kind of right wing Trump nut, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So that was July. You missed out my uh, my experiences in July in Brighton. Oh, there you in, go. In London, so what I was hoping you talk about, yeah, yeah, where I I had the the weird experience with um, rising outside of my body whilst watching the Transcendence Orchestra, and then. Um, the weird kind of coincidence with the balloons uh, and yeah, that's all detailed in episode in an earlier episode. I've forgotten which one. I think it's seven. I think it's seven. Yeah. So I won't go into it now, but it was cool. Yeah, I'll link to seven in the show notes to this one. August 2022. So in August 2022, it was reported by behavioural ecologist Daniela Robler that spiders had been filmed having dreams. How do they... So they were uncontrollably twitching in a way that really looked a lot like when dogs or cats dream right. and when they have their little REM phases. Yes. So this is really interesting in the concept of what our friend Keith has been talking to us about, um, which was about biologist Michael Levin. Oh, yeah. And his concept that consciousness goes all the way down. Uh, to even the level um, of individual cells. So flatworms and tadpoles all have consciousnesses as well. So things which we initially thought were a lot simpler and weren't, you know, we didn't grant them consciousness, so to speak. We thought we were the only conscious beings, didn't we? Well, this is it, yeah. It makes you wonder what consciousness is, uh, you know, whether it's a function of our brains, our evolved brains, or whether it's something else. And this comes to what Mark Vincent was talking about, uh, about consciousness creating everything. So is the tadpole actually conscious or is it made up of our consciousness? Is are we all in a giant field of consciousness? 
the whole thing is absolutely fascinating. I, I don't know. I, I was raising this. It's mind-bending. Um, and it's an, another sign, if nothing else, that we should be more respectful to all creatures, including yeah. insects and tadpoles. So that, that's insects and amphibians. Yeah. But everything else as well. Wood lice. Wood lice. I'd be respectful to them mm-hmm. if I were you. Oh, I am. We've, <laughs> we've got one in our yeah. house. It's called George. Oh, nice. Gave it a name. In August, the Calvin photograph was also released. So that was that wedge-shaped airborne object. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was t- taken in the Kegorms. Yeah, the old, um, the old one. The one that was yes, from yeah. a while back in Scotland. From, yeah. uh, 4th of August 1990 it was taken. That looked cool. Yeah, yeah. Because it looked it looked kind of organic, didn't it? Yeah, it or like it was made of stone or like yeah, or wood or something. It didn't look like um, your kind of sleek metal spaceship. And it's fascinating that these photographs, see still in 2022, are being released in this way, still mysterious things taken but from people's experiences. You know, these guys apparently... Um, they were terrified. They hid behind some bushes, and then an RAF jet came across, and and then the plane seems to change course and circle the UFO, then return to its original course, and then they managed to get a, a photo of it. Yeah, there was um, a good article about it in uh, in the Fourteen Times. Was there? Yeah, um, I've forgotten which edition. It was one of the ones that I uh, gave to you. Yeah, I mean, mysteriously, there's no information on why the image was never made public until recently. Because mm, it was too good. That's why. It was good. I, it's, it's, I just find it fascinating that we're still looking at pictures of UFOs and we still have no idea what they are. And that whole idea is just absolutely crazy to me. Um, and that actually reminds me, actually, we could just quickly go back to, I think it was July, was 75 years since Kenneth Arnold. Certainly oh, this year. Since the yeah. birth of ufology. Yeah, since he, he took those, uh, had that original encounter. The original flying saucers. Exactly. So this is it 75 years later and we're still all transfixed by it um and that was the month that we did our occult experiments in yorkshire yeah which is um which is quite interesting um and i started my re weirding project of my whole life where i've sort of gone back through my life written down events of weird stuff that i'd written off or other people had explained away from years ago reconsidered them all to sort of try to get to the bottom of the weird experiences that have happened in my life. That's been a really productive project for me. Uh, it was also when I started properly sort of practicing magic, because that followed straight on from yeah. our encounters, which we covered in the last episode. Um, also in August, a weird creature with no anus was proved not to be the earliest human ancestor. Okay. I could have probably told you that because humans have anuses. Yeah. I did know that humans had anuses. Did you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was, I knew that much. I'm not a doctor, but... <laughs> um, a possible live thylacine was filmed in South Australia. What's a thylacine? So that's the Tasmanian tiger, thought to be ah, extinct right, for about right. 100 years. Although, look, I'll post the pictures and they actually do look more like a mangy fox than a Tasmanian tiger. Mm. And Yuri Geller claimed to have prevented a nuclear attack with the power of his mind. Okay, where was the attack on? Well, on? no evidence of either the alleged attack or the claimed defence has been yeah. produced. He's got a lot, honestly, when, when we get Yuri on the show, he's going to have a lot to answer for. He's got a lot of explaining to do that, man. I think he can. I think he's a, he's a good talker. I think he'll be able to explain them all. Well, the invitation is open to him. September 2022. September 2022. Sadly, on the 2nd of September 2022... Frank Drake died. He was, of course, the creator of the Drake Equation, 
the equation that's named after him and that he devised in 1961. The equation basically estimates the number of active communicative extraterrestrial civilizations in the Milky Way galaxy. So I don't want to go too deeply into this, but the way that they calculate it is this. It says that the number of civilizations that can communicate with us, or potentially communicate with us, equals the average rate of star formation in our galaxy multiplied by the fraction of those stars that have planets multiplied by the average number of those planets that can potentially hold life multiplied by the fraction of planets with life that will go on to be intelligent I find that a problematic definition as we've discussed about what intelligence might be multiplied by the fraction of civilizations that go on to develop technology that releases detectable signals of their existence into space multiplied by the length of time for which such civilizations release detectable signals into space. And th- that that number then uh, will is, is the number yeah. of community. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I, th- I feel like one thing that he doesn't take into account there is um, basically whether or not they can be asked contacting a... This is assuming there are aliens in space. Whether or not they can be asked contacting um, creatures like us that are so... Well, I think the idea is more like yeah. I mean, I think the idea is more that like the release of these signals might be incidental, like us with our radio waves, television right. waves, and so yeah. on. Yeah, it's a beautiful equation. It's elegant, but it's very problematic. Um, I mean, low estimates basically say that we're alone in the galaxy. Uh, some proposals realistically give an estimate of like fifteen point six million civilizations out there. Yeah, that could be contacting us. So that's such a large range that it's basically meaningless. Where is everybody? Why? Well, we haven't had any reliable contact yet. I remember in my uh, mid-20s, uh, living in Preston, trying to modify the Drake equation to determine the number of people in the city that I could potentially have a viable romantic relationship with using wow. sim- similar ideas of multiplication, um, although I'm not going to share the results of that tonight. <laughs> um, just as with the Drake equation, the major variations in the outcome based on a small variation on the parameters made it completely useless. Uh, and... You, you multiply that by the fact that I'm also quite a weird guy <laughs> and, that, and that it probably wasn't the way to go about no, finding a viable romantic partner. No. Um, so this is one of my favorites. Now I'm going to talk about the queen died in September. Now I'm, I'm not saying that that's my favorite thing that happened, but it was the footage of the funeral. And that was something that we actually, oh, yeah, we actually yeah, um, were live tweeting on, on base when it was shared because the ITV footage at one point features this of the queen's funeral. Yeah features a voice saying in a whispered voice that death is irreversible and the fact that she's trapped. Yeah, that was that was fucking brilliant. It was genuinely creepy. Yeah. And there hasn't been a really good explanation given for that. Yeah, I mean I think it was it sounded to me like some kind of radio play, like almost it, it, but why was it there? The official line by ITV is that it was it was the voice of a grief expert, Julia Samuel, who had been speaking on the channel a few minutes earlier and perhaps hadn't turned her mic off. But still, that's a weird thing for a grief expert to say. Yeah. Very, very creepy to be whispering about the Queen being dead in that way. It's the fact that she was whispering. That's what made me think it was it was theatrical. Do you <laughs> know what I mean? Or, or... Also, what kind of an expert says that sort of thing? The yeah. fact that death is irreversible and that she's trapped. That's not the kind of thing that an expert says. No. It, it, it's. Um, I prefer the explanation that it was some kind of weird fucking spirit thing even, even even if you can explain it as someone with their mic not turned off it was it was the circumstances around it the timing yeah when it happened that just came together to make it a perfect weird it, moment it's almost like the spirit box isn't it yeah yeah you know like like some sort of weird television scrying um so yeah make of that what you will um 
So on a personal level, September was the month that we finally launched base. Yeah. That was September the 14th, I believe. I also uh, went on that course with Mark Vincent, and that was when I first encountered Herman. Good old Herman, he's there. One of his physical representations is on a piece of paper. Watching over us. From the mixing desk, yeah. Uh, So also in September 2022, Jack Osborne, the son of Ozzy Osborne, claimed that the US government is covering up the truth about UFOs. Okay, Jack. I'm sure he knows, Um, being um, an expert as he is. Um, Ukrainian astronomers um, were reported as seeing, quote, UFOs everywhere during the war with Russia, which is interesting because partly you'd think, well, you probably are seeing weird stuff in the sky there. But I think this goes beyond airplanes and stealth bombers and that sort of thing. Um, So NASA managed to blast a small asteroid to pieces. Uh, Well done, NASA. Yeah, I don't know why they were doing that. Well, it's that film Armageddon, isn't it? It's a bit unnerving, isn't it? don't want to miss a thing. And a UFO appeared on the official logo of the US Aviation Intelligence Office. Do you remember that? I think we reported on that on on the base Twitter as well. Basically, they released their new insignia. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it had a little UFO on it. Yeah. Um, And then a while later, beginning of October, uh, they changed it. And there was a report um, that it was um, an accident, a very odd sort of accident to have. You don't just accidentally put UFO. No. Also, interestingly, in September, there was a report that you, Buckley, sent to me um, of a woman in Ireland who seemed to enter fairy time. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was a great story. It was on. Uh, it was in 14 Times, I think. Yeah, and I'll link to a another reporting of this story because it was reported in the media quite extensively, actually. Right, okay. It was cool. I thought that was a really cool story. So she went down a certain way in a fork in the road where there were these identical trees. Yeah. And then she heard, she says here, and I'll quote this. I kept walking down a path towards a really overgrown area again. At that point then, I heard a really light woman's voice. I don't know how to describe it. It was really high. She was shouting, over here. I thought she was probably calling to her kids or something. Then she laughed. And it was just when she laughed, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. She says, I have a very professional job. I'm not crazy. I'm quite logical. But then the call came from the other side of me. And I knew it wasn't something right. Yeah, I love stories like that in the high strangeness realm where it's just things that these people know that it's really odd and they can't explain why, but they just know this is fucked up. This yeah. is really weird and there's something really... And, and when they try and explain it to, 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 to other people, they can't because they can't properly put into words why it was weird or how it was weird. Yeah, and in that, in that case, they're probably not using the usual five senses they're probably perceiving something other i think yeah which is really interesting because this is happening to everyday people you know so this isn't those two guys who are high and murdering each other because of bigfoot yeah this is someone who's gone on a walk and has encountered something that's truly unexplainable and she's tried to explain it and it makes no sense yeah. not in a way that like we're laughing and saying ah that makes no sense in a way that she's struggling to explain the way in which she was feeling and the way in which these things made her feel other than it wasn't right yeah that's fascinating i think one of the other things i love about it is the 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 identical trees again i love anything that kind of reminds me of the kind of um simulation theory stuff where things are like a computer game and that's very much like that isn't it having just you, you imagine like trees on a forest in a 
in a 1990s computer game and they're all the same. Yeah. You know, and it just kind of gives me that weird feeling like that does. So concerned for her well-being, she returned back to the crossroads and went the other way, mm. a different route. And then she says that almost immediately things seemed to change back to normal and birds started singing again and she became aware of other walkers nearby. It's mm. very, very weird. And a crossroads as well, always a, a point where things happen. Yeah. I love that sort of thing and I'll link to that story in the show notes. October 2022. Okay, so again, I think this actually happened on 30th of September, but was reported in October because of the time difference, because this was happening in America. Um, So this happened very early on the 1st of October in UK time. Um, Elon Musk, who also bought Twitter in October, revealed Tesla's humanoid robot, apparently without organic skin, but it was a prototype robot which walked on stage and waved to the seated audience. And then they showed a video of the robot carrying a box, watering plants and moving metal bars in the automaker's factory. That's the automaker mm-hmm. being Tesla. It's fairly lame stuff, but he's talking about these robots being significantly cheaper than cars, you know, about 20 grand uh, in US money, right. I think. Um, and the thing that scares me is that I saw something that someone posted on Twitter recently, a programmer, and he was saying that when he first sort of read about electric cars, everyone said that Elon Musk was a genius. And because he knew nothing about cars, he thought that Elon Musk was a genius. And then yeah. uh, SpaceX launched rockets and everyone said that Elon Musk was a genius. And because this guy knew nothing about rocketry or rocket science, he thought that Elon Musk was a genius. Yeah. And then Elon Musk bought Twitter and started talking about programming. And then him and all his programming buddies were like, this guy knows nothing. Yeah. This is slightly concerning because he's making humanoid robots now. Yeah, and he's fully revealed that he's willing to make incredibly stupid decisions based on his own insecurity. Exactly. And this combined with the idea of, you know, covering them in organic skin is is, is making my Terminator sense tingle again. I'm, I'm I'm, I'm very worried about Terminator at the moment. Yeah. I mean... Who's to say that these Tesla robots aren't the first stage of some sort of terrible AI disaster? Uh, I mean, who knows? Certainly uh, not Elon. Later in October, it was reported that several robotics firm, including Boston Dynamics, do you know about Boston Dynamics? I've heard of, yeah. Yeah, they're the ones that make those terrifying dog oh, robots. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. They joined a commitment to ban weaponization of robots. Right, okay. This is Boston Dynamics, who'd already worked with the Naval Air Warfare Center Training Systems Division and has designed and delivered robots like Big Dog, who's one of those like terrifying kind of robotic four-legged creatures, to the US military with funding from DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. So it feels a bit like they're closing the stable door after the deadly homicidal robotic horse has already bolted <laughs> on this. I mean, you, you see the things that the Boston Dynamics are developing. I mean, I've seen videos and i'll link to them in the show notes of these robotic dogs with machine guns on top yeah now boston dynamics have said that they've denied any connection between them and these robotic dogs but it looks like a yeah, boston dynamics like robot a boston dynamics robot they do look a robot lot dog. like them yeah <laughs> this this is terrifying I mean, they're talking about i mean i think that the decision to ban these robots being used for warfare is, is too late now They've yeah. already opened the Pandora's box on this one. And and do robots... Um, Dream of ident- of uh, robotic sheep. That's one question. Yeah. My other question is, would they honour a ban? I mean, if they themselves are the robots, like, will the robots be like, oh yeah, sure, the humans have decided we've been banned. 
Yeah. So we can't exist. I don't know. I mean, like, the whole thing seems to be a little bit out of control, really. Um, and I think I think this is probably something we'll, we'll revisit at some time on base because it, it is terrifying me. Um, so Halloween obviously happens in October. Mm-hmm. Can you guess what one of the top choices in the US was for costumes this year? Mothman. Possibly, but that's not what I'm looking okay. at here. Um, I don't know. Elon Musk. Avril Lavigne. Oh, right, okay. And the reason for this is the theory that Avril Lavigne is actually dead. Okay, is it like a Paul McCartney It's exactly situation? like a Paul McCartney yeah. thing. The theory goes that back in 2005, when this theory first surfaced, it was alleged that Levine had taken her own life after the trauma of her grandfather's death and had been replaced by a double named Melissa Vandella. Right, and the, the Vandella effect. <laughs> yeah, the theory goes that Vandella was originally hired to protect reclusive Levine from intrusive media and that following Levine's apparent death, the record company used Vandella as Levine's substitute. So the reason that I included this was that we haven't really talked about many batshit crazy uh, celebrity conspiracy theories, no. although we both love them and we do talk about them we amongst ourselves. Them, yeah. um, and that this one is almost identical to the Paul McCartney theory, yeah. that he died at the height of the Beatles' fame and was replaced by a lookalike. For a new, like the Paul McCartney theory for a new generation. Exactly. And it's almost identical yeah. in, in almost every way in that you know there was a, a lookalike it took the place. And is the, the, is the clues, like all over the, uh, obviously the Beatles one, the McCartney one, there's all clues in there's the clues. lyrics. Just the there's clues. clues in the lyrics, um, yeah. such as the song Nobody's Home, um, and that in some promotional photo shoots, she had the word Melissa written on her hands. Oh. And all this sort of thing. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. Um, and it's part of the crazy celebrity conspiracy theory canon, like Beyonce is part of the Illuminati, uh, which is a secret society thought to run the world, and that Taylor Swift is a clone of former satanic priestess Zena LeVay, <laughs> which is a great one. That's a good one, yeah, yeah. I heard that one. Meanwhile in October, one celebrity who no conspiracy theory could even attempt to explain, Kanye West, basically kicked himself in the balls uh, on Twitter yeah. by posting some horrendous anti-Semitic views, and quite rightly since then he's been in one of the swiftest and weirdest free falls from grace that I've ever seen, ever. Yeah, I mean, I was a big fan and no, he's lost me now. And I'm just, I know you can separate the art from the artist, but I, I still will listen to his music. I still think he, he's done some incredible, you know, beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy and Jesus are two of my favorite albums of all time, Life of Pablo, too. But I think he's gone too far now. I think he, he needs he needs help, and he, he, some of it is his own responsibility. He I is think. unwell. I'm, I'm, he, he does seem to be unwell. And, that, like you say, that doesn't take responsibility from him, but he's managed to alienate just about everyone on this. So, I mean, it's unbelievable he has any fans at all left, really. Uh, but, I mean, I, get, I guess the right winger clutching onto him. Yeah. Well, they don't get that many creative people, do they, on that on that side of the, <laughs> no. of the political spectrum? Like, no. what, like Kid Rock, maybe? Maybe, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I assume so. I, <laughs> that guy from Mumford & Sons, he's like their, their like, I don't know, banjo player or something. Yeah. He, 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 had, he had a bit of a, like, a bit of a Jordan Peterson moment, didn't he? But I think they have Ted Nugent. Okay. I, I think. I mean, yeah. I think he's probably more of a, uh, you know, a libertarian. I don't yeah. Know. It's hard to tell, isn't Morrissey. it? Morrissey. Morrissey, yeah. 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 So, yeah. They can, they can hold on to all of them if they want to. Mm-hmm. I'll miss Kanye though. I'll I miss, miss I miss the old Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very good. Um, so October was the month that Vase interviewed Will Salmon. Oh yeah, about Hellier. 
the month that um, I went to the Sacred Trusts course and learned about shamanic journeying. And we did our Ghostbusters episode as well. Oh, yeah. A classic. A classic in vase. I love uh... Ghostbusters so much. Um, Also in October, uh, a grandmother had Ouija boards handed out to attendees of her funeral, which is a fantastic idea. Yeah. I wish I'd thought of it. Uh, a man fell ill after le- eating a live crab to punish it for pinching his daughter. It's <laughs> a lovely story. It's got everything I like in that. It's got the father-daughter relationship, <laughs> you know, the, the wrath of the wronged father. Yeah. And also the fact that it was a terrible idea and made him ill. And it was reported that another wonderful idea for Frankenstein science here, scientists have spliced human brain tissue into the brains of rats. Oh, great. What that's, could possibly go wrong? That's how you get Skaven. Any, any, <laughs> yeah. any Warhammer fans here will know that you don't want to fuck with Skaven and they're making Skaven in a fucking laboratory. Idiots. It, it's, it just seemed like, why would they want to do that? To make Skaven. Well, that's it. That's it. It's the only thing. It might be something that um, Henry Cavill's looking into now that he's not Superman. Well, he is Superman, isn't he? He's the, <laughs> he's the Superman of our hearts. To us and many others. <laughs> November. 2022. Going on to the Frankenstein science stuff, this is one of the things that made me truly despair in November. The founder of Oculus built a VR headset that kills the wearer if they die in a game. That's not irresponsible. It has absolutely no practical application other than killing people. Or teaching people a lesson. Mind you, if they're dead... It's not really a lesson, is it? This is only a dystopian torture device. There is nothing else that this could be used for. Uh, why are people doing stuff like this? This is, a, <laughs> this is more money than sense, isn't it? Just because you can, it doesn't mean you should. Exactly, yeah. Th- this is the sort of thing that now the idea is out there. The inventor no longer has control over it, like with the Boston Dynamic robots. Yeah. Boston Dynamic didn't have to attach machine guns to those robots. No. Someone else could easily do that. And this can be misapplied. And it will be misapplied. Um, I, I, there will be problems. Yeah. I mean, people are going to replicate this technology. Now it's out there. It's going to be used to kill people. Yeah. I mean, who would knowingly use that themselves? I guess if, you, if you've if maybe had a terminal illness, you might think, right, well, I might as well go out playing a sick game. Yeah. But, I, mean, I mean, it's a bit like Russian roulette, isn't it? I mean, I guess some macho bullshit yeah. will go on with it. I just think that we haven't heard the last of this. No. I think it... They shouldn't have built it. Now they have. They can't unbuild it. <laughs> so this is an interesting one. In November, 11 school children in Colombia pass out after a Ouija board session at school. The city's mayor, who commented on this, said, the children were passed out. At the time they were found, they were short of breath and thick drool was coming out of their mouths. So medics suggested it was food poisoning. Okay. But I say don't fuck with Ouija boards. Yeah. I mean... They're not toys, uh, despite literally being a trademark of Hasbro. Yeah. Um, they're not toys. And this is just an example, um, I think, of retrocausality. I mean, it may be that if a medic looks at these kids, they're experiencing symptoms of food poisoning. But would they have experienced those symptoms of food poisoning had they not fucked with the Ouija board in the first place? Even if the event that gave them the food poisoning happened long before they fiddled with the Ouija board. This is, I think, retrocausality. Yeah. I mean, we've already abandoned our our plan not for good but and you know for the time being of, of fiddling with Ouija boards there's something that really freaks me out about Ouija boards yeah there's something that, that feels a bit like you shouldn't be messing with them 
It's one of those, isn't it, that's had so much like mythology attached to it from since we were kids, people would be talking about it and we've heard stories. You know, it's similar with similar with Simon's Necronomicon and, you know, it, it, it's, I think some of it is, I mean, I remember my dad telling me, who's, who's like a psychiatric, who was a psychiatric nurse, you know, who was a, I guess he's a more on the rational side of things, not really any interest in the supernatural or whatever you'd call it telling me not to mess with Ouija boards, telling me that it messes people's heads up. Yeah. And, and and not he didn't have a supernatural experience for it. He he believed it it was it was purely um you know purely explainable within the realms of of consensus science. But you could still, treat a psychosis. I mean yeah. it feels like asking for trouble, doesn't it? Mm. So that's Ouija boards. For Vase in November we finally interviewed Dr. Alan Greenfield. Dr. Alan Greenfield, what a morning that was. That was incredible. It was a really exciting experience. It was. You can tell on the recording that we were very excited. We were giddy. Although what we weren't excited about is the amount of post-production work we had to do on it because the sound quality was terrible. No fault of ours or Alan's. It was just a, a situation which we've now been able to rectify for future guests. But... Yeah, the sound quality on that one is terrible. You've just got to listen really closely. But it's worth listening really closely because a lot of what Alan Greenfield says is incredibly interesting. I'm talking about listening closely. We also interviewed Mark Vincent. Who we did, who was excellent Yeah, as well. and that, that's another of my absolute favourite episodes. I think all of our guests so far have been my favourite episodes as well. Yeah, I like the guest ones. I don't like talking to you. <laughs> no, I, no. I like talking it's to barely other tolerable, isn't it? Like when there's other people, it just sort of... <laughs> Puts a wedge between us, which we, yeah. we, we sorely need. <laughs> <laughs> so um, also in November China's top secret space plane released an unknown object into orbit because of course it did um, then the US's counterpart of that project the secretive X-37B plane returned to space after sorry returned from space after 908 days in orbit with a series of sonic booms so people knew it returned no one knows what it was doing up there yeah. so we've got a couple of this is just examples of we've got a couple of different nations with secretive spaceships basically orbiting the planet, um, which is kind of freaky as well. And more officially, NASA's Artemis 1 successfully launched its voyage to the moon. So um, there's quite a lot of space stuff quite going on. space activity, yeah. Yeah, I think that's ramping up a bit, really. December 2022. Because um, going straight on to December 2022, it was revealed in December that the, U- the Pentagon's UFO office had received several hundred new reports, and that's since June 2021, when the Office of the Director of National Intelligence reported that 144 incidents had been reported between 2004 and 2021. So in that short space of a year, basically several hundred new reports have been filed. Right. Including 80 that have been picked up on multiple sensors. So this is stuff that they have objective evidence of. So this is just reminding me of what we were talking about earlier and how people are just constantly hopeful and desperate for disclosure. Yeah. Which they're all thinking that 2023 is going to be the year. It's not. I mean, (laughs) what we've witnessed this year is that US government is positioning themselves to control the narrative. So first they hold public hearings in which they say that UAPs are real and that they're investigating. They dangle the carrot of extraterrestrial contact. And then once everyone has jumped on board their narrative, they start to see the fact that nothing about these encounters is extraterrestrial. 
So they've already started with saying things like official statements, we've not seen anything, and we're still very early on, but we've not seen anything that would lead us to believe that any of the objects that we have seen are of alien origin. And that's um, an official spokesperson has said that, Ronald Moultrie. Um, And they'll point the finger at foreign nations, I think, China, Chinese weapons, Chinese drones, Chinese fucking lanterns. They'll use this as a reason for the US requiring more spending on defense and development, as we were talking about earlier. This will benefit the military-industrial complex. And they'll say, but look, the other guys have weapons so advanced that we thought they were extraterrestrials. Yeah, and it keeps keeps people from looking at the world in a different way as well, in terms of like whether it be consciousness expansion or whether it be you know to do with with physics and to do with the uh, you know the, the, the sort of outer realms of physics and the idea of different dimensions and things like that it's just it just keeps people stuck in this rut of you know us versus them yeah. nuts and bolts bad guys and good guys what, war is the way around it war is the solution and it's a, just a fucking step backwards they're what they're doing is enforcing a position of looking outwards instead of looking inwards yeah. so any of this idea of consciousness expansion as you were saying or the ultra-terrestrial hypothesis is completely swept under the rug when they're considering this i mean they're considering foreign nations they're considering maybe some atmospheric phenomena and they're considering extraterrestrial phenomena i assume but they never ever talk about ultra-terrestrial phenomena and i think i mean is there a reason for that i mean I, I, I can't believe that the CIA aren't looking into that, for a start. The intelligence agencies, even if the military aren't. Well, I mean, the stuff the CIA looked into with the Gateway Project was pretty fucked up. I mean, they were looking into, like, remote viewing and stuff like that and, and psychic, you know, psychic links between people and stuff, which is fairly, um, you know, esoteric in terms of compared with the the, the the standard sort of consensus reality. So, I don't know. I don't know. Bastards. But looking out into space, also in this month, December 2022, it was announced that a DJ, a rapper, and a YouTuber are set to fly to the moon on Elon Musk's starship. Oh, God. And I bet they're all terrible. It's just Elon Musk trying to be like down with the kids and yeah. stuff. And, oh. I mean, he wants to be Jack Parsons and he, he wants to be Tony Stark. But to clarify, they won't actually be landing on the surface of the moon, because I could imagine that would be disastrous, but they will be within 200 kilometres of the surface. I'm all for a bit of space exploration, but what we have here is the issue that space travel, space tourism, and that kind of thing is going to become the the preserve of the rich. Yeah. And, And this isn't what we want to do if we want to take the first steps to becoming an intergalactic space, you know, a spacefaring species, I suppose. Um, you know, this kind of thing that science science fiction has promised to us. We have to do this as a united planet, I think. Yeah. There's no there's no way we can do it fractured as we are doing now. And we don't want to be doing it for profit or publicity. We want to be doing it for the greater good. And I think there should be some kind of merit involved as well in terms of like the person running it should be not a fucking dickhead like Musk. <laughs> Sorry, Elon, if you're <laughs> no. listening, but I think you're a fucking prick. But this is... It sounds naive when we talk about it, but it's only naive when you look at it from a rigid capitalism is the only way perspective. Yeah. There are other ways. And let's just, I've been looking forward to doing this, but let's just take a moment to think about the words of the late, great, greatly flawed, but often correct Bill Hicks, who said, 
It's only a choice. No effort, no work, no job, no savings of money. It's just a simple choice right now between fear and love. The eyes of fear want you to put bigger locks on your doors, buy guns, close yourself off. The eyes of love instead see all of us as one. Here's what we can do to change the world right now to a better ride. Take all that money we're spending on weapons and defences each year and instead spend it in feeding and clothing and educating the poor of the world, which it will pay for many times over, not one human being excluded, and we could explore space together, both inner and outer, forever in peace. It's just a ride. That's it. And it's as true now as it was in the early 90s. Yeah. And we're losing sight of that. I mean, that speech still gives me chills. Yeah, I mean... Not he, he when was, you read it. I was well, no, getting no. quite bored when you read it, but... <laughs> yeah. when I, when you have I, to remember him doing it. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, so that kind of brings us to where we are now. We launched Sidevase in December. Sidevase. Um, and we've got loads of great guests lined up for 2023, who I don't want to talk about now in case we jinx it. So, as a quick cap-off, also in December, US Air Force unveils its new nuclear stealth bomber, the B-21, Santa's Grottos in two British shopping centres use a polygraph test to see if kids have been naughty or nice. <laughs> and an 88-year-old walked into a hospital with a World War I shell stuck in his rectum. <laughs> Happy fucking Christmas. So thanks very, very much for listening in 2022. This year has genuinely changed everything for me. Um, and I can't even really conceive of a time before base now which is weird you know because everything is sort of retrospectively tainted by the yeah. idea or tainted is, seems like the wrong word but <laughs> colored by the the experience of vase um and in 2023 i think that we're definitely going to try and sort of redouble our efforts to make base even better you know we've got amazing guests lined up we've got our virtual studio now um and um you know we're going to do as much as we're able yeah so please tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell those mysterious people that you treat with ambivalence about vase. Word of mouth is a really powerful way to get people enthusiastic about things like this. Um, and please follow us on the uh, the sewer stream of Twitter and the soon-to-be-weaponized metaverse gateway of Instagram. We are at vase and then vase spelt backwards. So that's at V-A-Y-S-E-E-S-Y-A-V. And um, you can, um, most importantly, please support us by going to Bandcamp and downloading the wonderful soundtrack to the show by our very own Stephen James Buckley, aka Polypores. We linked to his general Polypores Bandcamp earlier. We have a vase one. Uh, with, you can get the soundtrack to this podcast on it, and he kindly puts all the proceeds from the sale of the album back into the podcast, and we have benefited from that, and that's how we've managed to get our virtual studio, which is going to help us make sure that we don't have any more interviews like we did with Greenfield, where the sound quality isn't up to our standard, because we can now control that. And that's all thanks to people buying the soundtrack. Yeah, thank you. It's appreciated. And, and we hope you enjoy the soundtrack as well. I'd, you know, I listen to it regularly. I, I don't, but I'd, I'd made it, so I yeah. Of... And you're still doing new music, even even now, because you did this new soundtrack to um, uh, Sidevase. New is Melancholy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so so that was that was a really good one. I enjoyed that music very much. Um, and please finally uh, rate, review, and subscribe on whatever you listen on, especially on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to help us with the algorithms, if you have an Apple device at all, please go onto Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, and write a short review, even if you don't use Apple Podcasts, because for whatever reason, this really tweaks the algorithms and helps new people discover us. And we spend so much time on this podcast 
I mean, literally hours. I, I've kissed the greasy forehead of burnout several times over the last six months, <laughs> I have to admit. And we, we don't charge anything for this at all. We just want people to listen. We want to get out to people. And so priming the algorithms is a necessary evil. And um, it helps new people find and like us. Before we go, I have a question for you. Please go ahead. Who's your favourite robot? Oh, God. Well, I, first of all, I can tell you who my favourite robot isn't. Go on. It's uh, T-800. T-800. Do you think he's worse than T-1000? I think they're, they're both much of a muchness right, in terms okay. of evil. Right. Uh, my favourite robot. Uh, let's try and find one that's really helped me. I mean, you know, I quite like C-3PO and R2-D2. Yeah. Uh, they're a bit fussy, aren't they? I like Wally. Wally's good. I feel I relate to Wally quite a bit. Like he's, you know, he's tinkering away in his little room, making things and... Yeah, I do like him. Am I your favourite robot, Buckley? You're not a robot. <laughs> are you? Are, are you a robot? No comment. Listeners, listeners, just, just, I'll tell you now. He's, he's started to like twitch, and there's like a little light blinking in his eye. Like, what about Short Circuit? John Five. Johnny Five is Johnny is Five. A diamond. Is, a, is a good, a good robot. Yeah. Um, I think. I don't know. Uh, I, I I quite like Bishop from Aliens. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I like how in Aliens, the kind of, the robots are full of milk. Yeah. It's an interesting always, twist, always isn't fun. it? Like that, there's that um, Peter Serafinowicz sketch where it's like a robot talk show. And then every so <laughs> yeah. often, like, he freaks out and starts, like, spewing milk. <laughs> yeah. So, Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah. We're going to take about three weeks rest now before we release our next episode while we regroup and get some interviews together and we work intensively on our schedule for 2023. Thanks again and stay weird. Keep it real. Or not. 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 Or